Everybody loves the touchdown. Throws to the back of the end zone, and it is caught for a touchdown by Holmes. The grand slam. Fly ball to center field. Ethier has done it again. It's a grand slam. The buzzer beater. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! But how did those players get to that moment? And who built the venue and signed the contracts? Each week, we dig into the business side of sports and give you the answers. This is Sports Business Radio. Come on, boy, boy, can you get it up? Now, from our studios in Portland, Oregon, with Sports Business Radio, here's your host, Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. I'm here with executive producer Brian Griggs. Another great opening from him. Hope you liked it. In our next segment, we're going to look at our headlines of the week. Big changes at the University of Southern California. We'll discuss those and other headlines like the TV ratings for the British Open. Ugly. Segment three. We're going to look at a few lists that came out this week. Sports Illustrated released their Fortunate 50 list, and the Harris Poll named their most popular athletes. And you might be surprised at who tops the list of most popular athletes. In segment four, we're going to be joined by Paul Swangard. He's the managing director of the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. We'll catch up with him on several topics, but one of the things I want to discuss with him, agents. We heard Nick Saban, the coach at Alabama, liken rogue agents on football campuses to pimps this week during SEC Media Day. We're going to talk about agents on college campuses with Paul Swangard, segment four. A couple of other notes, visit my sports business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. We're into this social media thing. On Twitter, at SB Radio. On Facebook, facebook.com backslash Sports Business Radio. Griggs, I saw the Smurf turf up close and personal at Boise. I went to Boise last weekend, visited some friends, stopped in to Boise State. They finished the season ranked fourth last year. Smurf turf. Impressive. Unbelievable. Uh, it's, uh, it's a disadvantage to the world of football, but a love of the Boise State fans, so... Well, and in the last segment, I'll try and get to a little story about the Smurf turf, because I learned a few things about the Smurf turf. That's coming up in our last segment of today's show. But next, headline sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at warsawcenter.com. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is SBR. Back with more after this. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. It's the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry. The Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training, sports business curriculum taught by industry experts, and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. 
passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline, sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one. ESPN earned a 2.6 rating for Sunday's final round of the British Open, which saw South Africa's Louis Oostenhuizen. I don't know if I pronounced his name correctly, but hopefully I did. He won the event by seven strokes. Griggs, it was the lowest final round TV ratings ever for the network. Now, remember, ESPN... This is the first time it moved from ABC to ESPN, so ESPN had the final round. I doubt that has anything to do with it because most people who have ABC also have ESPN. I think what the main factors were, first of all, uh, Ustenhusen ran away from the field. So he won by eight strokes. The other thing is, is that Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, the familiar golfers weren't in the mix. So if you turn on your TV on Sunday morning and you go, hey, I'm going to watch the final round of the Open uh, you don't really recognize anyone on the top of the leaderboard, and it's a route by golf terms. Yeah, I, I think it was. I loved ESPN's coverage. I thought they did a great job on it. I, I liked the uh, the announcers they had, the crew they had, but um, you know it was live too. So I mean, you had to be up at you know two in the morning when you, if you wanted to see the the guys tee off, and right? All that stuff. So out here know, on the West Coast, exactly. And I, I caught the last. You know, it was way over by the time I tuned into it on Sunday, but. You know, it was it was still it was cool. I enjoyed it, but it, you know, we did we did miss the the stars in that final round. So well, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what the future of Mister Ustin who's in hold. He's a young guy. I mean, it was really a historic event for him. I mean, he routed the field much like Tiger did several years ago, second biggest route of the century. Um, so we'll see. Does he get some endorsements off of this? You know, he's a major winner now, and uh, it was an impressive win. More troubles for Tiger on the course. He switched, as we told you last week, to the Nike putter. How'd he do? 71st out of 77 golfers in putting for the British Open. Not a great return from his putter. Now, obviously, it doesn't have everything to do with the putter. The operator has a little bit to do with it. But that switch, which made a lot of headlines last week, didn't work out so well for Tiger in the first experiment. Our next headline. USC on Tuesday announced that Pat Hayden is going to replace Mike Garrett as the school's athletic director. This in the wake of a rules scandal that resulted in some of the toughest penalties handed out to a college athletic department. You know, Griggs, I like this a lot. First of all, Mike Garrett, who had been there for 17 years, he did a great job fundraising, but he was really brash. He thumbed his nose at the NCAA. Um, He was pretty condescending. And a lot of the alums grew impatient with him, especially based on the penalties that were just handed out by the NCAA. Pat Hayden, who many people know as one of the voices of Notre Dame football on NBC, the younger generation may not know he was a star quarterback at USC. The guy is a Rhodes Scholar. I mean, he's brilliant. And he's, most importantly, a USC alum. The USC alums like to have their own in there. Obviously, Garrett was one of their own. He went to USC. But uh, I think it's a good move for USC. It shows the NCAA that they're serious about reforming their athletic department. Now, here's the thing I don't understand at all, and I tweeted about this this week. One of the things that USC has done is they are removing any mention of Reggie Bush and O.J. Mayo from signs, pictures, anything on campus. 
removing them from the history books. They want to make it seem like those two never went to school there. But O.J. Simpson's Heisman Trophy still resides in Heritage Hall. How does that make sense on any level? I mean, it just doesn't. I, I think, where are your priorities there? Well, O.J. Simpson is not guilty, as we all know, so oh, yeah. there you go. <laughs> Allegedly, he committed a double murder. No, it just, it's bizarre to me. I mean, I think these things are always funny when, okay, we're giving back the Heisman Trophy. I mean, you can give these things back. You can remove things on paper, but you can't remove what was really accomplished in history. Reggie Bush was the best football player in the country that year. Now, here's what's happening, and we're going to talk about this with Paul Swangard coming up in segment four. Agents are now blowing the whistle on players who renege on deals with them. So if I'm an agent and I give you money, I give you a car, I give you a house to live in while you're going to school, and the deal goes south like it did with Reggie Bush, then all of a sudden I'm going to blow the whistle on you. And that's why we're seeing some infractions. I mean, just this week. We heard of something with Florida, potentially. We heard of something with Georgia, potentially. I mean, first of all, the NCAA is on the warpath. They are cracking down on college athletic departments. But then you combine that with the fact that some of these rogue agents are blowing the whistle on players who end up not signing with them. I wrote about that on my blog at sportsbusinessradio.com this week. It's the recipe for, I think, a lot more violations in college sports. Yeah, I I like it. I think it's good that the NCAA is cracking down. It's going to tighten up these universities. I like that they're hitting I mean, USC, Florida, Alabama, these are big schools, too, and that's why you were getting all the coverage on it. People are knowing about this. Other schools are going to know about it, and I think it's going to be good for everybody in the end. Well, and it's just like, I'm going to use Mike Vick as an example here. People are going to go, what? The feds and the authorities like to get the high-profile programs, the high-profile people. Mike Vick is high-profile. They made an example of him to send a message to all the other people not as high-profile, saying, look, if you dogfight... This is what's going to happen to you. If we took Mike Vick out, we're going to take you out too. Same thing in college athletics right now. USC, Florida, Georgia, we're not messing around with them. So if you're a smaller school or a mid-level school, if you're violating rules, you're going to get in trouble too. Our next headline. This one is just bizarre. The Texas Rangers. So Chuck Greenberg and Nolan Ryan, who happens to be the president of the Rangers right now, they want to buy the Rangers. But their loan is conditioned on their group acquiring the lease to the land around the team's stadium. This is a mess. I mean, basically, you've got a team being propped up by Major League Baseball right now. They go out and get Cliff Lee before the trade deadline. They're in first place in their division. They have a chance to make some noise in the playoffs. Mark Cuban, the owner of the Mavericks this week, emerges as a potential suitor for the Rangers should some of these other deals fall apart. But it's a mess. It's much like the NHL Phoenix Coyotes mess where you've got the courts involved. And we'll see when this is going to be resolved. But it doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon. There is August 4th, supposedly, an auction. So we'll see if anything happens after that. I'm sure someone will have a problem with that, that process and how that plays out. Our next headline, the Arizona Diamondbacks and the San Francisco Giants are going to open the 2011 Major League Baseball season with a series in Taiwan. This is if players from both teams approve the proposal. Now, I guess the teams would go over there, play some games, 
Then they would come back for an additional week of spring training before resuming regular season. Um, you know, Major League Baseball trying to get outside the borders of the United States. We've seen them in uh, Japan. We've seen them in Monterey, Mexico. Now they want to go to Taiwan. You know, the NBA has done this successfully, uh, played games around the world. This is Major League Baseball trying to do it. But Griggs, a lot of the players don't like it because you're traveling a long distance to play a few games and you're coming back. You're trying to adjust to the time changes and you're going on a very lengthy schedule for the rest of the way. And if you look at the teams that have gone over and played games in other countries at the beginning of the season, they get off to pretty rough starts, even though they've got you know a week layoff after they come back. Especially with baseball, because there's just so many games, so much travel. I mean, you're gone already, even when you're playing your regular season. You're gone so much. You're gone for a week at a, at a time in a different state. I mean, this is going to mess them up, I think, for definitely. Yeah, so if you're these two teams, you know, you've got, what, 162 games? And the first two are in another country, and, you know, you come back and you're like, oh, I've got another 160 to go. (laughs) Our last headline of the week, a group called NPD Group released a study that noted the sales of EA Sports' Tiger Woods PGA Tour 11 game have dropped 68% during the first month of sales compared to last year's version. So we're going to talk to you in our next segment about some other facts and figures with Tiger Woods, but 68% drop in sales of Tiger Woods, EA Sports Tiger Woods PGA Tour 11 game. Interesting. The brand of Tiger Woods certainly seems to be declining by the day. All right, coming up in our next segment, we're going to talk about Sports Illustrated's Fortunate 50 list. Also, the Harris Poll named their top most popular athletes, male and female. We'll tell you who's on the list. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Podcast this show and any other past SBR episode at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back with more SBR after this. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Well, I'm dusting off my golf clubs and looking forward to enjoying the gorgeous Oregon summer weather on the golf course. Like many of you, I'm on a budget. I want to tee it up when it's convenient for my schedule, and I enjoy playing golf courses that deliver a private golf club experience. That's why I want to tell you about the Ghost Pass at Pumpkin Ridge Golf Club. The Ghost Pass is Oregon's premier frequent player program that allows you to play the world-renowned Ghost Creek Golf Course for over half off of the regular greens fees. And with your Ghost Pass, you can make your tee times 14 days in advance. The Ghost Pass program sets itself apart by offering a competitive tournament program, which includes one exclusive Ghost Pass event at Witch Hollow. The Ghost Pass is available for only $150, and here's the best part. When you sign up for the Ghost Pass, you'll receive a complimentary round of golf valued at $150. So you literally can't lose when you purchase the Ghost Pass. Go online to PumpkinRidge.com and sign up for the Ghost Pass today. I'll see you on the links. What were the terms that got that big deal done? These guys know. Sports Business Radio. Brian Berger and Brian Griggs back with you. And one of the lists I keep my eye on every year is Sports Illustrated's Fortunate 50 list. And it's pretty accurate. There's an omission this year that's pretty glaring in the top 10. uh, And it's Lance Armstrong, I think. Uh, I don't know what numbers they looked at, but I would think Lance Armstrong would be in the top 10. He's not. But let's break down the list for you because it's pretty interesting. Number one, um, the NFL had the best showing they've ever had on this list. 
15 players, and that's really thanks to uh, a rash of contracts that paid out big in the 2000 se- 2010 season, because remember, it's an uncapped season. And a lot of these guys, you know, their, their signing bonuses come up front. Um, the year's list also features 16 basketball players, 13 Major League Baseball players, three NASCAR drivers, two golfers, and one boxer. Let's go through the list. Number one, Tiger Woods. And Tiger has sat atop this list for a long time. But there's a big difference, Griggs, with this year's list and last year's list. First of all, he is not over the $100 million mark. And it's not because of his earnings on the course, even though he hasn't won a tournament this year. This is, again, you know, pretty much within the last year or so. He's down $22 million in endorsements. And I think that number is the key number to look at because I think that number is going to go down even more. As we told you in our last segment, his video game, EA Sports, Tiger Woods 2011, down 68% in sales from last year to this year. Obviously, Tiger's brand has been tarnished. Um, He's lost sponsors like Accenture and AT&T and Gillette. It's going to be interesting to see if the Nikes and the people who still have him say, look, um, because your numbers have dropped, because sales have dropped, we're going to renegotiate our contract with you and not pay you as much as we were paying you before your brand was tarnished. But even with that being said, Tiger's total earnings, $90.5 million, next closest person on the list. Number two, Phil Mickelson, $61 million. So Tiger's almost $30 million out in front of his nearest competitor. You know, and something else I looked down the list that kind of struck me is, I didn't believe it, was Shaquille O'Neal's six, and he beats Kobe. And he's got $15 million in endorsements, which is more than Kobe's got. And to me, Shaq, I mean, you don't think of Shaq as the big star anymore. I mean, you know, five, ten years ago maybe, but he just doesn't feel like that anymore. But he's, he's still making bank on the endorsements. Yeah, and that's the thing that, you know, if I looked at anything on this list, and I'm not saying I, I doubt Sports Illustrated's numbers, but... There are some numbers here that I, I raise my eyebrow out a little bit, and, and that would be one of them. But yeah, Shaq is still, you know, a moneymaker. Now he's going to drop off this list because he's not going to make anywhere near twenty-one million dollars going forward. He was on, you know, the last year of his guaranteed contract. Number three on the list, Floyd Mayweather Jr. He's pound for pound the best boxer in the world, along with Manny Pacquiao. He had a few good fights this year. Um, he only has two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in endorsements. $60 million from fights and pay-per-view take. If he fights Manny Pacquiao in the next year, he may be number two or even number one on this list come 2011. LeBron James, number four on the list. You know, he just did a new deal. $15 million in salary, but $30 million in endorsements. Now, LeBron tarnished his image with the decision and how he handled his whole free agent process. You know, he's got that big deal with Nike, but I wonder, will that $30 million in endorsement number, will that come down? That will be interesting to watch. Number five, Alex Rodriguez. You know, here's a guy, $33 million in salary, the highest paid player in team sports, and then $4 million in endorsements. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal, as you said, $21 million in salary, but that number is going to go way down, $15 million in endorsements. Kobe Bryant comes in at 7th, $23 million in salary, $10 million in endorsements. His endorsements may go up. He's won back-to-back championships. If he can three-peat, you know, Kobe's back on the rise. Derek Jeter, by far the most popular player in Major League Baseball, $21 million in salary, $10 million in endorsements. 
Peyton Manning comes in at ninth at thirty million, and then Dwayne Wade uh, comes in at tenth, twenty-seven million. So it's going to be interesting to see you know where these guys go in the future. Now here's another list that came out this week that was interesting. This is courtesy of the Sports Business Daily. They had their most marketable Major League Baseball player survey. Derek Jeter, number one by far, not even close. Number two, Albert Pujols of the Cardinals. Number three, Joe Maurer. Number four, Steven Strasburg. This guy's made nine starts, and he's number four on this list. Number five, Ryan Howard of the Phillies. Number six, Evan Longoria, who's also under the age of 25, like Strasburg. Number seven, Tim Lincecum. Number eight, David Wright of the Mets. Nine, Alex Rodriguez. Ten, Dustin Pedroia and Torrey Hunter tied for 10th. That's an interesting list to me. I mean, look, uh, Jeter has deals with Nike, Gatorade, Gillette, Delta, Upper Deck, 24-Hour Fitness. He by far, he's the Cal Ripken of today's baseball players. But a guy like an Alex Rodriguez who's closing in on home run number 600, you see, you know, he's ninth on this list. He's in a big market. But because of the steroid use in the past, I think that tainted his image, Griggs, and and he's not as high on the list as one might think. Yeah, I agree. And uh, you know, it's 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 interesting to see what people pick up with endorsements, what people like. You know, why do they like this athlete? Why do they choose him for this? Why do they choose him for that? And I, I, what a crazy life having you know ten plus endorsements. I mean, what are, they, what are these guys doing a day? You know, I'm <laughs> getting calls from, hey, we need you to come cut a spot. We need you to come do this. I mean, it must be amazing. Yeah, no kidding. I'd love to have just a fraction of their endorsement money. Coming up next, Paul Swangard with the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. A plethora of topics to discuss with him, including is there anything that can be done to weed out these rogue agents on college campuses? We'll discuss that next with Paul Swangard. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in the know at sportsbusinessradio.com. Podcasts, blogs, and more. SBR will be right back. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is NBA Commissioner David Stern. I thought you did a wonderful job of handling the game ball situation. You listened to your players and the owners, and ultimately I thought you got it right. What did you learn from that experience? It probably pays to go the extra step to build a consensus, even though you don't think there's any other view that makes sense. My guest is Jack Nicholas. What are the main lessons the game of golf can teach us if we pay close enough attention? You develop relationships with people. I think you play 18 holes of golf with somebody. You get to know them pretty well. We're joined by Bill Hancock. He's the executive director of the BCS. What we want is for the best two teams to play in the championship game. Beyond that, I'm not sure it's really fair to say what's good for the BCS or or what's bad for the BCS. Follow us at sportsbusinessradio.com and on Twitter at SB Radio. Really confused about the business side of sports? This is Sports Business Radio. My guest is Paul Swangard. He's the managing director of the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon, a good friend of the show. He's joined us many times before. Paul, how you doing? I'm good, Brian. How are you? I'm doing great. Several topics to cover today. Uh, let's start with just the college athletic department landscape. It's been very interesting to watch in the last few weeks. Obviously, USC, very high-profile program. Uh, violations against them, heavy sanctions. We learned this week that Florida may have some violations. Georgia may have some violations. 
Nick Saban at SEC Media Day called rogue agents pimps. Urban Meyer, the Florida football coach, called them predators. Is there anything that can be done to manage agents and their interaction with student athletes on college campuses? You're on the University of Oregon's college campus. Is there anything we can do? Well, I, I mean, I think there, you know, there needs to be some vigilance. I think, the, you know, the major players in this, uh, being the NCA and the NFL and the, you know, the representative conferences and schools, you know, do need to work together. There, there has been some effort. I mean, the the NFL. Um, you know, does send its its team out uh, every year and try to meet with student athletes on college campuses. The NCA has has tried to step in um, in in talking with our own you know director of football operations here at Oregon. I know that there is a you know a, a national consortium of football director of ops who are trying to formulate some better training, and and that's really what it's all about. I mean, we 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 need to work from the student athlete outward. I mean, if if the student athletes are in a better position to understand the ramifications, if they understand what they can and they can't do, then they're going to be able to make some, you know, some better decisions. But even in some of the commentary we've seen, and, and you referenced some of it uh, here at the outset, you know, problem is some of these kids are coming out of, you know, very, you know, low-income socioeconomic uh you know, environments and, you know, get put in a position where there's a golden carrot being put out in front of them. And, you know, temptation has always been uh, for as long as uh, history has been written, one of the, uh, you know, the biggest problems that any human faces. So I I hope they can clean it up. Um, You know, I've talked to, you know, many agents, uh, most of whom I, I feel like do it the right way. And, you know, the stories they share on the, you know, you know, the depths that some of these, uh, you know, would-be agents uh, will try to use to get, you know, players to at least consider them is, is just unbelievable. And just some of the stories we've heard about Reggie and, and some of these other athletes, I think really just scratches the surface of a, a pretty seedy world of uh, unscrupulous agents. Well, and a lot of people may ask, gosh, there seems to be a rash of potential and, and real violations in the last few months. Why is this? Well, I think one of the things that's starting to happen is that these rogue agents if they think they have a deal with the player and the deal goes bad, they blow the whistle on the player. And that's how we're finding out about some of these things, much like Lloyd Lake did with, with Reggie Bush, right? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not certain that we're seeing, uh, you know, again, the penalty seems to be more driven at uh, the player being at fault rather than the agent. Uh, I, you know, I just feel like there's there's got to be uh, some way we can resolve this and I, I think it starts again with education uh, you know you you'd be amazed at how much uh, and how often you know coaches administrators and counselors at these uh, university institutions uh, you know try to give these kids the best possible information and you know some of the schools are, are moving now to uh, things like an, an agents board where they're actually setting up an organization of staff, including faculty members, that actually will assist student-athletes in identifying, interviewing, and, uh, you know, connecting them with agents. And I think if if we could build somewhat of a framework like that where the students can rely on, you know, their institution to assist them, then that's, you know, that's part of the value, I guess, that a school can offer a student coming 
you know, it's not only the academic counseling, it's not only the athletic resources, but also for those who have the ability to play at the next level, um, you know, this expertise that can provide them a means to make the right decisions and not the wrong ones when it comes to uh, representation. Joined by Paul Swangard. He's the managing director of the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Paul, let's switch topics. A Harris poll comes out this week listing the most popular male and female athletes at the top. We're not on it, by the way. No, we're not. Some people wouldn't call me an athlete. I mean, imagine that. I know. We'll just, we'll just, we'll just let that one ride because <laughs> I've seen you play golf. I've seen you play golf, and I will tell a quick story. At Pumpkin Ridge, I think it's the 18th hole, there's uh, a marker there for Tiger Woods when he was there uh, at Witch Hollow where he hit his drive. Paul Swangard hit a drive. I saw it with my own two eyes, at least as far, if not further, than, than Tiger Woods. All and, I'm, and I'm still happily married. <laughs> and not paying $750 million, <laughs> reportedly, to uh, anything else. Okay, enough of that topic. Tiger Woods, Kobe Bryant, both of them have had their off-the-court, off-the-course problems. Kobe, obviously, a bit more removed, has won a few championships. But these two athletes tied for first atop the Harris Poll for most popular athletes. Does that surprise you? You know, it does a little bit. You know, ironically, I was, uh, there was a quote that I uh, made in, in 2003 when, when Kobe was involved in, uh, in, in the allegations in, in Colorado and, uh, you know, saying something to the effect as it related to his endorsement deal with McDonald's that, you know, you wouldn't want to have a, you know, a, a felon peddling Happy Meals. Uh, and even though he doesn't necessarily have that relationship anymore, I think it does go to show that, uh, you know, Americans are certainly willing to uh, set aside uh, you know, their preconceived notions of what are right and wrong when it comes to, uh, you know, to adoring athletes. And I think it's just uh, a remarkable testament to, you know, the forgivability factor in the world of sports marketing that uh, these two guys, both of whom, you know, obviously are connected to some pretty serious uh, transgressions, uh, both seem to, on the surface, be uh, well-known and well-liked. Now, the, the question really becomes, and I think some of the data that we're seeing that's going to bear this question out is, does that likability translate into marketability? And, and I think that's uh, you know still in question for both athletes. Well, if you look at Tiger Woods, some numbers, we just mentioned these in our headline segment. His video game, Tiger Woods PGA Tour Golf 11, down 68% in sales compared to last year. Uh, the Sports Illustrated Fortunate 50 list says that he lost $22 million in endorsements between last year and this year. There are some numbers that tell us that Tiger's brand is on the decline. I mean, we can talk about it, but now we're seeing some hard, firm numbers that show that people aren't purchasing products with his name on them as much as they used to. Yeah, and it may just it, it could fall into certain types of categories and ter- and certain types of purchasing decisions. I, I would I would argue I don't have the hard data to support this that you know a good portion of the video game sales you know are tied to purchase decisions made by the head of the household and in most cases that being the the mother. Uh, it, you know it may very well be that uh, some 
some people who have specific issues with the types of transgressions that Tiger had are are choosing not to buy products for their kids as a specific example with the video game whereas i think you know nike and some of the you know endemic sponsors to the sport of golf you know maybe haven't seen nearly the pullback on uh, on purchasing that uh, you know some of these other products have but yeah i mean this is a uh, you know going to be a really interesting uh, you know year to follow in terms of not only that pullback and and just upfront investment in the tiger woods brand but ultimately what return on investment for the you know the companies that have stuck by him and so far the uh you know the results are mixed and and added to that him not exactly uh fulfilling his uh, obligations as being the best golfer in the world on the course that really to me is uh is going to be the uh, the worst case scenario where sales are dipping his play is dipping and you know a lot of companies even the ones that are with him now are going to ask hard questions at the end of the year is this really worth us continuing at the price point that we uh, we are paying. Most popular female athletes. This is interesting. You know, we talk about how tennis is declining. Listen to all the tennis players on the on the list here. Serena Williams number one, Venus Williams number two, Danica Patrick three, Mia Hamm four, Maria Sharapova five, Anna Kornikova six, uh, Misty May Trainer seven, Sean Johnson tied for seventh, Lisa Leslie ninth. Billie Jean King and Martina Navratilova tied for 10th. A lot of tennis players on the list, a lot of retired athletes on the female list. It is, and I think it is. it really does uh, you know, cement tennis's role and importance in, uh, in the growth and development of, of women's professional sports. And I think you know, it's great to see Billie Jean King still on the list and you know, really sort of the you know the the symbol of that you know growth and development uh you know i think tennis uh, because of its parity in 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 the purses with men's and and with men's sports with the you know the quality of the television ratings that continue to uh, be afforded them they just you know i think as as just regular sports fans look at uh, the world of professional sports they really don't necessarily see much of a difference between men's and women's tennis um and that in and of itself is Exactly what Billie Jean King, you know, was saying in the you know early 1970s, and uh, it's it's showing proof positive now by uh, by all those people on the list. Want to cover another topic? We're being joined by Paul Swangard. He's the managing director of the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. 17-year, 102 million dollar contract in hockey this week. Uh, Ilya Kovacek by the New Jersey Devils. The contract was rejected um, and it says it doesn't abide by collective bargaining agreement rules and regulations that's a huge contract I mean we don't see 17 year 102 million dollar contracts I guess for the last five years of the contract uh, he was going to be paid five hundred fifty thousand dollars so front-loaded contract you're an NHL guy explain why this gets rejected to the common fan well, I mean, it would take a, uh, a dive into the CBA to get down to the, you know, the language specific to this. I think, the, you know, the problem is that there was, you know, there was prevailing sentiment from the league office that there was no, there was no rational way that this contract would be paid out in full. I mean, the guy would have to be, uh, I think he would be 44 years old by the time the end of that deal was reached. And so, 
You know, I, I think what this really speaks to, and try to bring it up a level and make it not just an NHL issue, but a you know a professional team sports issue, is that we're you know we're entering into now this really unique period where all conceivably all four of the major professional sports you know, we'll have their CBAs up for renegotiation. And, you know, it's just a really, it's an important um, moment in the history of professional sports. And it will be really interesting to see how these different leagues choose to structure their deals uh, with their labor unions. And obviously you see, you know, in, in most cases, none of the two sides of any of these four sports uh, talking about things being rosy and close to uh, an agreement. So in some ways, I think the you know the devils were trying to make a splash with a with a major signing they get some benefit even if they don't sign the guy because they already had the news conference and uh but what they are raising is probably the larger point of how do we continue to allow a a framework and an agreement between players and owners that allows you know teams in every market to remain competitive and i think you know for any of your listeners who are fans of uh, almost every major sporting up including the NFL, it's becoming harder and harder for some of these small market teams to remain competitive and viable and new CBAs, you know, have to be constructed in such a way where there's um, at least some degree of competitive balance. So, if, you know, a fan in a small market could feel that, you know, at least their team would have a chance going into a season. And in most cases now it's getting harder and harder for those teams to even have a chance. Well, and as we've talked with uh, people like Rick Bucher on the show last week, it almost seems like these owners need to be protected from themselves. So in the NFL, you know, they're signing bonuses, but the rest of the contract isn't guaranteed. In Major League Baseball, in the NHL, in the NBA, the contracts are guaranteed, and it looks like in the upcoming CBAs, the owners are going to try and move towards either non-guaranteed contracts or, you know, two, three, four-year guaranteed contracts different from seven, six, and five. And, you know, this hockey contract, I've never heard of a 17-year contract. I was like, is this guy 10 years old? You know, 17 years, like you said, he'd be 44 at the end of it. That's pretty old for a, a hockey player. I can't imagine a franchise like committing to someone for 17 years. That's a long time. Well, and nobody does that anymore, and that's it's part, you know, proof positive why the league had such an issue with it. And and to jump on, you know, Rick's commentary uh, from last week's show. I mean, the, one of the more famous lines floating around uh, professional sports is, "You are only as smart as your dumbest owner." And you know, and really the you know the the crux of the problem is is that you know we have a bunch of capitalists running these organizations, and yet the league wants to be kind of run like a socialist uh, you know regime to give everybody you know a fair at least a fair foundation in which to compete. And one of the great arguments floating around right now, and I've heard uh, you know a lot of talk radio fodder about it in the last few weeks, is you know maybe. Maybe we're getting to the day as we look at other professional leagues around the world where, you know, there's just going to be the haves and the have-nots. And at least in those, you know, types of markets like the English Premier League and others, you know, they have a different structure to these leagues where there's things like relegation and there are, you know, ways for teams to rise and fall based on, you know, their ability to compete effectively. And uh, I'm not sure the American sports marketplace is ready for that, but part of the discussions that will occur over the next uh you know, 12 to 18 months will really center on what are the rules in which we're going to abide by and try to give, uh, you know, every team that has uh, a, a desire and a willingness to try to compete effectively at least the means to do so. Paul, we've got about two minutes left. Give us the latest from the Warsaw Center. And I understand one of your alums is involved in something interesting. 
Yeah, well, let's throw out a little uh, a little love for one of our alums. We have uh, Chris Duke Minier, who was a uh, an alum of ours working at Wyden and Kennedy up until about three weeks ago, was actually uh, named one of the two finalists for an around the world. Uh, job interview uh, through a promotion run by Adidas, and so uh, and, and for any of our golf friends, you and me included, this is a really tough job assignment. Fifty days, nine countries. He's been playing golf in Scandinavia. Was at the Open at in uh, St Andrews. Jeez. Played on an all sand golf course in Dubai. He's currently in uh, in Thailand. On to uh, I believe Japan on his next stop, and so. We're encouraging folks uh, at least just to follow the promotion. I think it's actually a really good use of social media um, and, a, and a good marketing promotion if you, if you like following that. And I think if you go to whereintheworld.adidasgolf.com with the where being spelled W-E-A-R, you can find more information about it. And uh, we, we hope Chris does well. The winner at the end of the competition gets uh, a job with Adidas Golf, so that would be uh, kind of fun for him to get as well. Other than that, you know, we've got our folks uh, scattered around the globe doing their summer internships. We've got folks working with Major League Baseball in Australia. Uh, we've got folks in uh, in Germany working with Adidas and product companies and sports marketing agencies. And so it's kind of the fun part of the uh, the summer environment. And then uh, I'm sure you're getting uh, phantom stomach pains uh, from uh, your participation in what will be our fifth annual trip to uh, China that's coming up in September. You joined us a few years ago for that. And uh, that'll be a fun, uh, you know, check in with uh, companies like Li Ning and MBA China and others, and then the, the World Expo in Shanghai, uh, which is a, a great uh, place to take a student of sport and a student of business to get a chance to see what the different countries around the world are uh, promoting for themselves in terms of uh, you know their economies. So, lots still shaking, and uh, you know, ready for the fall to come sooner than later, and uh, hopefully a few uh, few days to spend on the golf course between now and then. Absolutely. So, WarsawCenter.com, how can people follow you guys on Twitter? Uh, we we have a Twitter account through Warsaw Center. You can uh, also go to jimwarsaw.com, which is a great site that uh, showcases some history around uh, our founder, uh, Jim Warsaw, who passed away about a year ago. And uh, lots of ways to keep connected. We're on Facebook, and, and uh, I'm sure there's other social media platforms that haven't yet been invented that we'll be on soon enough. Well, Paul, I always appreciate you making time. Enjoy the rest of your summer, and we'll catch up with you again soon. Appreciate it, Brian. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. More of the show is coming up. Just gonna stand there and watch me burn. That's all because I like the way This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Every championship team has one thing in common, good coaching. And I want to be your coach, your media coach. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form New School Media Coaching. New School Media Coaching uses a fresh and interactive approach for educating our clients about dealing with today's media landscape. Whether you're an athlete, a coach, or a front office executive in the sports or business world, we'll prepare you for communications with the masses in today's social media world where everything is on the record. And just like any good coach, we'll help you practice your new skills and we'll be there to provide constructive feedback every step of the way. With a combined 40 years of experience, we're veteran coaches, but we use a new school approach. For an overview and a list of our services, 
Visit newschoolmediacoaching.wordpress.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. We are back, and as I mentioned in segment one, I went to Boise last week, and I had a chance to visit the Smurf Turf. And quick story about that. Two things. Number one, I was told by some people that they have to go through and pick up some dead birds before the game because Griggs, the birds think that the Smurf Turf is water, and they crash onto the water, which is really turf, and it's not a good ending for the birds. So that was one story I learned. The other thing is, is that some of the TV networks complain that there was a glare from the Smurf turf, the blue turf there at Boise State. Boise State, ranked number four at the end of last season, very popular football team. They're on TV a lot. They've ripped out the turf, and they're putting in new turf that doesn't have as much of a glare to it. So when you watch Boise State games in the future, you won't see as much of a glare on TV as you did in the past. That was interesting to see that turf going in. Yeah, and, you know, i got to feel bad for the birds, but uh, what a terrible way to die. It's a tough way to go. I mean, that's really tough. So speaking of animals, there was a sheep delay at the Tour de France. Uh, Griggs clued me in on that. You know, we see all kinds of delays but a sheep delay, that, that's a unique one. I've never seen that one before. You know, the Tour de France always comes through with some odd story. It's like every every time you hear it, it there's something weird going on over well, there. Well, yeah, there were the teammates that, like, beat each other up <laughs> yeah. with. I mean, one guy beat the other guy over the head with the, uh, his front wheel. Yeah. And so. I, I was watching the, some of the coverage on ESPN with the sheep delay, and it's literally pouring down rain, and all, all you see is sheep across the middle of the, of the course. It's just this, this whole feel of them, but they're right in the middle of the road. It's great. Yeah, that's one of the things that makes uh, that event unique. All right, the other thing that's very interesting, if you want to see LeBron James's $47 million mansion in Miami that he purchased this week, go on to at SB Radio on Twitter, and I linked to the mansion. You can see pictures there. Wow. He didn't waste any time spending some of that money, did he? $47 million for his new estate in Miami. All right, lots of thank yous on our show this week. Paul Swangard from the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Our show staff, Brian Griggs, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harrison, Doug Zanger. Our sponsors, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon and New School Media Coaching. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com, click on the podcast page. I'm on Twitter at S. Radio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Enjoy your week. You've been listening to Sports Business Radio. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes, 
and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio.